for me lately, the, the biggest thing I can do is I can say, just look at what's in your life. Life is teaching you. It's guiding you. So whatever in your, is in your life is there guiding and helping you towards evolution of who you are, not for the personality, not mm. for the um, the ego is beautiful and wonderful. It wants to protect you as well, but it can lie. Mm. <laughs> so that the mind lies to us, right? Mm -hmm. But the truth, the truth that is that is who you truly are, which is linked to the non-physical that we now call the soul or the energy that we know we can't really pinpoint, but yet we know it exists, like the wind, okay? You mm. know you the wind uh, if you look at the wind you can see it through the leaves you can see it in the flowers you can feel it on your skin it's either warm or cold but you can't take a cup full and put the cup full of wind there because okay there's no wind in that cup so you know it exists you know there's something else powerful out there now that's the non-physical that's the one that's linked to the to the heart which is linked to the right side of the brain so everything that's in your life that's happening to you it's teaching you so that you can evolve to becoming aware that you are more than just your personality. You are five more senses. Welcome to Bridging the Potential, intergenerational conversations that change the world. This is Aaron Johnson, founding member of Living the Potential Network's Youth Advisory Council, with a question for you. What happens when you bridge the experience, education, and expertise of an elder with the curiosity, energy, and innate wisdom of a youth. It's simple. Everyone grows and the world changes for the better. One conversation, one connection, one collaboration at a time. Today's podcast is no different. Renee Beth connected me with Yvonne Kluta, who is a flight attendant and author of See the Gift, Not the Curse, a personal journey to discover me and that I am love and light and an advocate for helping our left brain society come back into balance with our intuitive, creative, and spiritual gifts. I think you will enjoy our conversation about divine conspiracy, destiny, and looking inward before judging the world. My favorite part of this podcast was when Yvonne shared her story of how she discovered that she should be looking for the gifts in her life, not the curses, despite the hard road she had walked. Welcome everyone. I am Renee Beth Poindexter and I am the founder of Living the Potential Network and I'm your host for today. After I wrote the book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World, I set out to find spaces and to create spaces where people could actually hear what the youth have to say and that's what this podcast is all about. I love these conversations where after listening to the youth's dreams and concerns, we connect them with a mentor or an elder who has experience and wisdom to share and who is open to learning and receiving from the innovative spirit of the youth. It's reciprocal learning at its best. I love these conversations and I think you will too. Today, I have two special guests. Our mentor is Yvonne Kluta and she is amazing, I can say self-made woman. Uh, she grew up in South Africa, and she moved to the United States in 1997 as a single mother with three daughters, <laughs> where she had to new, learn a new language and get acclimated and follow her dreams. Uh, along the way, she created a PhD in industrial psychology 
And if you can imagine that in combination with working for a plastic surgeon and reconstructive plastic surgery as office manager, you kind of get a sense of her understanding of psychology and human beings, both in personal and industrial settings. She eventually quit her job and was led to go to Spain to write her book, which is called See the Gift, Not the Course. She travels all throughout the United States and you might witness her because she is a flight attendant, but not your typical flight attendant, I must say. I'd love to be on a flight with you, Yvonne. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and um, Yvonne will be in conversation with Erin Johnson. Erin Johnson is coming to us from Prescott, Arizona. And he also is a self-made man, uh, 19, on his way to 20 in a month, um, and is also an author and has written a book uh, called, well, he'll tell you all about it, but there's a synergy between these two, even though there's a difference in age, there's a similar passion for what is the new story and who are we emerging as human beings? So Yvonne, we'll start with you. Sure. Tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit, I mean, you are when I say a self-made woman who actually has been focusing on more right brain understanding, as you yeah. were saying, because full brain awareness is kind of missing. And you've been studying this for a while. So tell us a little bit about your journey into this awareness. I think my journey started when um, I was actually a child. My mom used to um, see dead people. <laughs> So that was very scary for me because I would come home and she would say, but are you already opened the door and I heard the door and I'm like, no, mom, I didn't. So it was a scary uh, situation for me growing up like that. And then um, I always wanted to know what is ghosts and what are those kind of things. But it, I was also afraid of it because we were taught to actually fear it. And uh, as I uh, left South Africa, my country, and I came here, um, I went into a deep depression um, after my divorce and, you know, I thought I thought and the empty house syndrome and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is our life about? What are we doing? And then I reached out to uh, other psychics because I wanted to know why are we even on Earth? Why are we going through all this? And through my heartache, I wanted to know what is love? You know, everybody talks about love and I, I didn't understand love. So I wanted to go find out what is love really and uh, so I my journey started then where I researched all the religions that I could and I wanted to know what is the main theme about it and I found through all the religions that I looked at and studied and researched there's one theme and that is lo love you know God is love or love is God and that is where I learned that then, all right, so if there's a God and there's something else, because I grew up a very religious, my uh, father was a priest, my ex-husband ended up being a priest in our church in South Africa. So I was very rel religious. And then something just happened in my church environment where I'm like, okay, this is not my church. You know, this is not the God I want to. So I searched and yes, I've learned a lot about the other five senses we have. I, I noticed that most humans, um, and we all have during society, we've only focused on our first five senses. And we've learned that our next sense is the sixth sense, but we learned 
that it's, you know, like Bruce Willis says, I see dead people. So we only think <laughs> that the sixth sense is to do with ghosts, you know, mm-hmm. and poltergeists. So as a society, we learn to fear the sixth sense. But then later on, I learned that there's not just a sixth sense. There's a seventh, an eighth, a ninth, and a tenth. So it became my journey and my purpose in life to trying to educate people that we don't just have like religious try to teach us we only have a father we need to pray to well what happened to the mother you know and Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to teach people that we have mother earth that is our mother our spiritual mother because when jesus was in the synagogue and they said your mother and father is here and he says my mother and father is not from here Uh, and they said no that's joseph and maria uh, maria and he said no that's not my real parents my real parents are not from here my parents is the non-physical basically and that is where i've learned that the first five senses is all the physical matter and everything that we can see we can smell we can taste we can hear we can touch but that from the sixth seventh eighth ninth and tenth sense uh, nobody's ever taught us that anything about it the closest we got is to beginning to understand the sixth sense but then we were taught to fear it right let alone yeah So in your studies and your pursuit of studying, let's say, industrial psychology and then the psychology of humans and so forth, and all of your training of preparing to understand this, there wasn't part of the curriculum, right? You had to discover it on your own. Is that right? Yes, Yes, absolutely. For me, doing the industrial organizational psychology, I felt I needed to change the world. (laughs) So I learned um, to do my 10-year degree and you know, they teach you how to change teams and then they teach you how to change departments and then maybe you can go as far as governments. So I was like, yes, I need to change. I, I know we all need to change. So, and then after my 10 years studying, I'm like, this is, they don't even get me. <laughs> and so this is not really what, what I can understand the psychology about it, uh, uh, around it now, but this is still not helping us change. I think as humans, we needed to change from the, the left brain that is the analytical the the you know the systems the patterns the language it's everything linguistical is in the left side of the brain that's why 98% of humans are all right-handed which means it's crossed over if you're right-handed you are left-brained and only about 2% of humanity is actually left-handed which means they are right brain dominated so it just showed me clearly while i was doing my phd how unbalanced humans truly are and you and erin can do it now quickly go write your name just your name with the hand that you write and then write your name again with the other hand and you can see how unbalanced you are because when i was working for the um, reconstructive plastic surgeon the patients would come in and have a hand injury and they can't fill out the demographics and they would say, but I can't, I don't write with that hand. I said, I don't have time. I'm sorry. You're going to have to fill it out. I will not judge you. I will not grade you, but you have to fill it out. And when they bring it back, I can clearly see. And I would say, oh, you're an artist. And they're like, how did you know? I'm like, because I can see it. The gap between those two handwritings, when you write with your real hand, the right hand, most people do. And the left hand, you can see the age gap that is there in that brain. And then people will argue with me and say, but Yvonne, if if I if I'm ambidextrous, I can write both hands. That, then sure, you can use both brains. And then some would say, but even if I practice, I'm sure I can write almost similar that too. 
But it just shows you that as humans, we don't use that side of the brain that much. I mean, if you, for instance, go and drive home tonight to your house and you suddenly get home, you're like, how did I get home? I just zoned out. That zone out, that's you going into the right side of the brain. That right side of the brain is always there on the left side when you learn that you need to stop at the right red light or you need to turn right at so-and-so street. So it, it is there all the time. It knows everything. But when you zone out, the right side of the brain does not care about time and space and language and numbers. And that's why most animals are more in their right brain. And if you call their name, they'll look up and they'll come to you, but they only use 10% of their left brain and 98% of their right brain. So oh. we as humans need to get to the balance. We need to use both sides of our brains. And that's what I feel became my purpose. Wow, that's very powerful because now you're working what you call, um, you're living your dream. Mm -hmm. That you have this awareness of full balance. Are you saying that you have full balance for yourself? Your right and left brain are fully balanced and you've accomplished that? Well, let's just say it's still a struggle. <laughs> um, I was first completely uh, an overachiever. I was in the left brain. I wanted to show and prove to everyone that I'm smart. Don't leave me. Don't reject me. You know, my father, my ex-husband. And um, so I was very uh, left brain oriented. I was very overachieve I needed to get my PhD and I needed to show how smart I was and then I felt no wait a minute this is not it either and then I became the spiritual being when I quit everything I went to Spain and and for three months wrote the book and became extremely spiritual I just meditated I wanted to speak to no one uh, and um, eventually when the guides the voices that did speak to me asked me so what do you want to do go sit in a cave and meditate all day I'm like, yes, please. They said, that's not your job. You need to go out there and go teach what you've learned. And so, um, yeah, then I, from my kids used to say, mom, you got to get your head out of the clouds now. You are totally <laughs> in another world now. And so it was hard for them to get their mother back too, because I became from the very left brain to the very right brain. And then I decided, all right, what can I do where I can find balance and me becoming a flight attendant was teaching me how to just do something that I always wanted to do as a young child. You know, what is it that I always wanted to do? Oh, an, an aerostess. That's what we called it. So I, I Googled it and a flight attendant came up. And that's how I became a flight attendant because I wanted to just go, not be too left-brained and not to be too right-brained. I wanted to find my center, my peace, and just be, just be. I. That's what we are. We are human beings, not human doers. Exactly, exactly. So are you out there flying the friendly skies and meeting people and, you know, being the hostess with the mostest, you're probably <laughs> aware of the energy of individuals in the seat and also the plane itself i'm just curious like when you walk into and this is for all of our listeners because sometimes we feel we all get a sense an intuitive sense and would you say the intuition is part of the sixth sense that you have yes. an aware you have an awareness but you don't know you don't always trust it and what is our intuition teaching us and how can you sense it when you walk into a room or a plane or a family gathering, you know, how, how do you make good use of these tools? Because I know you're doing workshops and all kinds of conversations related to this. And we're going to get to Aaron a little bit because he's been 
he's a very, he's very observant as well in terms of these conversations. So tell us a little bit more about that right brain and how to access it and how you use it in your day-to-day life. A very easy uh, way to um, begin to listen. When people speak, they say, they will say to you, oh, I think. When they say, I think, that's left brain. And they say, oh, but I feel that's the right brain. So the right brain is linked to the heart and the left brain is linked to the personality that, that you have created since you were two years old, that personality that you created to protect yourself. So for me, yes, Einstein was my absolute hero because he, he taught us that E equals MC square, which means that everything is energy, but just on a different frequency. So if we can really go deep into what he's saying to us is that if everything is energy, then we are going into the non-physical. And if you can begin to feel energies around you, you you can literally, like you say, you feel it once you walk into a room. Now, sometimes when I walk onto a plane, I can feel the, the stress and the worry because travel is very stressful. Whether it's vacation, uh, you know, no matter what it is, or a, a funeral, or just, um, you know, going to work or a job interview, it's very stressful. So I feel those energies. So what I do is with my presence, I send a good vibration energy out to them and to calm them down so people now know already and and i begin to hear it too when i sit next to them next to them on the jump seat they're like this was such an easy flight everything went so smooth and i'm like yeah i create well (laughs) so you know after a while you begin to know how you can manipulate not so much as manipulate but you can feel the energy and when it's not calm you can project your calmness onto onto the environment. Right. And is that just through thoughts that you say as a mantra and bring forward? Actually, I've learned about this mantra. Uh, it's called uh, the Ho'oponopono technique. I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody ever yeah. heard of Ho'oponopono. And I do it on the plane, for instance. I would say to everyone sitting on my plane, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me and thank you. So basically what I'm doing is I'm connecting my soul to their souls and then that makes them calm too. I mean, right. if you go research and Google that story about Dr. Yui Lin, who yeah. um, coined it, you'll learn that that is how he actually closed a Hawaiian prison. So with those words. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's fabulous. You know, like he was able to cure a lot of people in, a, yes. in Hawaii. And he was learning it from the kahunas in Hawaii. Yes. Yes. But that idea of... Um, just looking at names in a roster, he was able mm-hmm. to do that healing yes. prayer. And yes. then later they witnessed people. Sh- he never saw them personally. <laughs> never. Not it was once. just energy to energy without energy. energy. So soul what you're talking about, yeah, soul to soul. What you're saying is moving with these new senses to go beyond the physical world. There's, yes. there's a whole non-physical world that mm-hmm. we have available to us. And hopefully in this 21st century, we'll get there at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know, yeah, Aaron has, um, you know, we brought up religion and, you know, he's got a great story and this is a great conversation. So Aaron, um, you're an entrepreneur and an author and a founder of a, of a publishing company. So tell us a little bit about your journey and what you're interested in, in, in your own book that you wrote that resonates with what you're hearing from Yvonne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, my whole journey will. That's a story. Um, well, <laughs> I know, I know. I'll start it. I'll start it. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in Southern California with my mom and my dad, and we lived with my great grandmother. 
And um, I grew up in some different educational systems. My parents didn't necessarily want me to go to um, public school. My mom was a teacher and worked in public school. And so um, she looked for other ways that might be more beneficial to my soul and <laughs> help me um, learn things in a, in a different way that would um, allow me to develop in a better way. Um, and so I, I did Montessori, I did charter schools. Um, and so uh, when I was 13, we moved to Oregon, Portland, uh, just south of Portland. Um, and while there, um, I had a great experience with school and uh, really flourished in uh, my studies and what I really like to do. Um, around that time, I started a business. I helped people with their businesses as an admin assistant, just like doing all the things, just trying to figure out what was fun and what was, you know, what I what 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 lit me up. And um, I found that the potential. And around that time, I did mock, mock trial, and then I reached. I, I graduated, and um, then I we just moved to Arizona. And while we were here, we decided to. Um, form a our publishing company because um well my mom has been working with people on their books for 15 years and I worked with her on that with other people for a long time and uh, we just had the people kind of show up around us um in a really magical way um and we decided that it was probably time for us to I mean we were, we were able to do everything that we needed to do to make it happen so we brought our superpowers together and um and made it happen um, the first book that we published through the publishing house was uh, my book with uh, that I wrote with my mom. It's called A Religion, A Religion of Story, a powerful way to cultivate character and preserve freedom in our children and culture. And um, it was kind of a way of um, showing parents how to mindfully engage story with their kids and, you know, use what they're watching on the screen more intentionally um, rather than just watching it for entertainment purposes, which is great. Uh, you know, but there's also an aspect of being able to, um, dissect a story, take all of its archetypal moral, um, lessons and structures out and kind of apply it to your own life. And so that's what my mom did with me from a young age. And so through the book, we talk about our journey through various, um, uh, various trials and tribulations and, and that everyone experiences and wrote about um, the learnings that we, that we gained from story and how we applied those. Right. So. Well, your mom is, I would call her, she's not from this world. <laughs> she's a really quite an amazing being. And she was listening to you one time when you were, you know, I don't know how old you were, but you asked her a question about, mm -hmm. You want to share that question that sort of started the whole idea of the religion of story yeah. conversation? Yeah, I don't know. I was probably, probably, I mean, I was, I was speaking pretty well at that time. So maybe around five-ish, right? Um, I think when we were, when I was growing up, my parents had a falling out with their, with, with their religion um, and they still believed in God. But at that point, they, um, they didn't necessarily want me to be go back into the family system of religion from, the, from their families because both their families um, had the same beliefs and so um, they told my grandparents and the families um, you can talk about you know religion and God um, about and what you believe but please don't try to put your beliefs on him and make him believe the same thing because we want him to learn and make up his own mind and have his own connection with God right and so um, my mom really tried <laughs> to have that. But one day I came home from, I think, one of the first 
um, times away I had from my parents and just with uh, my grandparents and my grandparents um, obviously didn't listen to that. And um, I came home and I asked my parents, why don't mommy, why don't we have a Bible? And my dad overheard this from the kitchen. My mom was stunned because she was probably really angry um, because she, you know, she wasn't sure if if they were putting beliefs on me or if they were just talking about it. Right. She was ready to go to war for um, my thoughts, right. <laughs> and my beliefs and let me make up my own mind. And so, um, and then my dad from the kitchen said, we do have a Bible. It's Avatar, the last airbender, um, which was an amazing show on Nickelodeon. Um, everyone in my generation, Gen Z knew that show. Like everyone at my school knew this show um, just about, and it's an incredible show um, filled with everything. Um you know, coming of age and, and also navigating the world and um, finding your path. Spirit, it's a very spiritual show as well. And so it was an amazing show. And my parents hadn't seen anything like it and still haven't. So it's like our favorite show to this day. And so it it had a lot of those principles and it kind of clicked, started clicking for my mom that as we were engaging these shows, you know, she'd ask me questions about the shows. And so I'd think about them deeper. I mean, I'd roll my eyes because she'd have to pause the show. <laughs> and um, And as I talked, um about you know the show it kind of developed um it it made me think more deeply about those patterns that I was talking about archetypally and story-wise and so you know she realized that story like actually does cultivate character when you can walk thousands of miles in other people's shoes it's what the bible is right you're walking thousands of miles in other people's shoes and Mm -hmm. gaining their wisdom from right um from 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 that and also you know the word of god and god's wisdom right and so you can kind of see how that kind of plays into story and how we you know what what if we mindfully you know what if we worked with stories on the screen like we did with the bible yeah. right and exactly. took things out out of it that that were that had such deep truth and meaning in it exactly well i think it's safe to say you're an old soul and a young body <laughs> and uh understanding these concepts and making them fun and entertaining and so Meeting Yvonne and then learning about her book, um, See the Gift, Not the Curse. You're both authors and similar, you know, awarenesses about what is the story? <laughs> so I turn the baton over to you, Aaron. You know, I know you have some questions for Yvonne and I'm here to hold space and I might have a question or two along the way, but I'll pass the baton to you, Aaron. Sure. Um, yeah, I think a lot of my questions have to do a lot with kind of on the topic of of destiny, but also people's perception of the world and and life with them. It's been a big topic in my life and and kind of understanding why things happen, right? Um, there's a perspective um, that I think you take on um, more about people, you know, hope, hopefully you, you know, trying to see life as things happening for you, not to you, even though the things are bad, right? That's literally the title of your book, right? Trying to take, see the gifts, not the curse. Um, try and see the good things that happen and why they happen and how they actually developed, you know, you for the person you have to be um, in the world. And so in my life, it was really hard to see that um, coming up at certain points, um, especially when we moved and trying to find, you know, a will, a passion <laughs> and things like that. But now I understand why those things happen. And looking back, you know, I can make those connections. But I think my first question is, first of all, how do you how do you help people see the gifts in their lives? I've talked to so many people about Mm -hmm. this kind of perspective of things happening for them and not to them. And they scoff. Um, 
because they've seen so many awful things and experienced so many awful things in their lives, right? It's not easy for them to grasp, right? That maybe things could be happening for a reason, or you could choose to see them happening for a reason and that they, they can be gifts, right? So how do you, how do you recommend people help other people see gifts like me? Um, right. How do I, how do I help people kind of see that more? If you liked what you heard and want to listen to the rest of this incredible conversation, you can do so by visiting livingthepotential.com forward slash membership and create a completely and forever free account with us. And if you're interested, check out the first two chapters of Renee Beth's book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World, which you can also find at livingthepotential.com forward slash book. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.